High Praise Podcasts. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Joshua, lead pastor here at High Praise, and I want to thank you for downloading today's podcast. We know that this message is going to encourage and bless you. So I want you to open up your heart and receive what the Lord has for you today. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to James chapter 5. We're going to start with verse 10. This morning, I want to share a message called Restore. Uh, Last week, uh, we had a wonderful time of just remembering uh, what happened, but more than remembering what happened, we remembered how that God brought forth a great shalam. For you that don't know what shalam means, it literally means to restore. It is a Hebrew word that is translated restore throughout the Old Testament. And whenever that particular word is used, Use and translate a restore, it uh, 95% of the time is referring to you having more than you had before. Can you look at somebody and say more than you had before? Can you tell somebody God wants to give you more than you had before? I don't want to get too far off the message, but I want to flow with the Holy Ghost today. And you know, uh, Wednesday night, we had a special unannounced guest speaker, and that was um, Pastor Marty Layton. And during his ministry, I really began to feel the stirring of the Lord uh, that God wants to totally destroy and annihilate the spirit of poverty that has been uh, in our region, in our territory. You know, we have, we've been at war with the spirit of poverty for a long time, but I'm telling you, you know, once more it's tried to creep, creep up and raise up his ugly head, but how many of you know that greater is he that is in us and he that's in the world? You know, and sometimes people may even have things, but they're operating with a spirit of poverty and God wants to break and destroy the spirit of poverty because hear this, God can't restore to you fully while you are operating with a spirit of poverty. Are you hearing me? And we have to get, we have to break away from the small thinking. How many of you know the Bible says to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you dare ask or think? How many of you have some big imaginations? Anybody here got a big imagination of what God could possibly do within your life? Listen, as big as you can imagine, God desires to do greater. Hallelujah. I'm going to say it again. God desires to do greater. Hallelujah. And we're going to crush that spirit of poverty. I believe in this upcoming year, I just really feel the stirring of the Lord that we're going to see some things break through, that debt is going to be canceled in the name of Jesus, that we're going to see great increase, that many of you that have been on your job for many years, you haven't experienced any increase or any raise, that God is going to bring forth a supernatural increase into your life. Go ahead and get ready. Buckle your seatbelts because the Lord is declaring increase. He's declaring expansion. He's declaring, I'm going to do more and I'm going to give you more than you had before. Look at somebody and say more than you had before. Man, I feel an anointing of God upon me today. You need to grab hold of this because the anointing will destroy the yoke of bondage. The anointing will break things open in your life. There's some of you that have businesses and it seems like you've just been kind of spitting and sputtering and not moving forward. But the Lord is saying, I am breaking off the restrictions today. The Lord is saying, grab hold of that which I desire to do. For God says, I'm going to do greater than what you ever imagined. Eric, for you and Lee, I hear the Lord saying, you 
you've already seen an outpouring, but God says, get ready. It's going to be greater than what you've experienced. And the Lord says, you're going to see it in every way. You're going to see it financially. You're going to see it in health. You're going to see it even in family, says the Spirit of the Lord. And the Lord says, get ready. You're coming into a new season. And the Lord says, the old is over. And the Lord says, you're being thrust into a new season, says the Spirit of the Lord. Would everybody give the Lord a praise today? Hallelujah. James 5, verse 10, my brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. That word patience literally means persistence and endurance and perseverance. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. And then turn over to Job 42, verse 10, or you can just, we're going to put the scripture up there on the screen. And the Lord restored, everybody shout restored. And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much. Everybody say twice as much. How many of you know whenever God restores things, he doesn't just put you back where you were. He brings forth an abundant measure in order because the enemy has to repay. You know, the Bible says if the thief is found out that he always had to pay back what he actually stole with interest. As a matter of fact, sometimes it was as much as fourfold or even eightfold. How many of you know that God wants the enemy, his desires, he's commanding the enemy today to pay back what he stole from you. Hear this, if there were things that were stolen from you and Hurricane Michael, the enemy has got to pay back, praise God. Hear this, if there were things that were stolen from you during COVID, the devil has to pay back. God is going to bring a restoration to your loss, hallelujah. Amen, look at somebody and say, you're going to be restored. Most people, whenever they read the story of Job, they read it in the context of a story of suffering and pain and heartache. It's kind of like the hee-haw song. I know there's a lot of you that don't know the hee-haw song. Does anybody know the hee-haw song? Y'all, see, there's more people than what some of the young people may think that they know it. But, uh, you know, if there used to be a show back in the 70s, you know, during that era. Anyway, back in the 70s, there was a show that came on, I guess it was on Saturdays, uh, Saturday evening, I think it came on. And, um, and anyway, I'm a, you're a picking and I'm a grinning at that, that show anyway. And so it was really very, very hokey, but there was always a segment where they would sing the song, Gloom, Despair, and Agony on Me. Does anybody remember it? Anybody remember? Gloom, Despair, and Agony on Me. See, some of you know it. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. You know, that was a song they would sing every single week. You know what? It's probably a lot of people, it was their favorite segment of the show because they could identify with it. Come on, y'all know what I'm saying. They were church people. You know what? And then we're going to church on Sunday and singing something very similar. Tested and tried, we're off made to wonder. Anybody ever hear that song? Oh, thank God there's not many of you. Praise the Lord. 
We heard that. And everything was always about what people began to relate to was pain. And they began to relate to the agony of living. And they were just getting ready to leave this world. You know, and they were, you know, singing songs about stars in the crown because the world was so bad. But I want everybody to hear this. God wants you to experience a little heaven while you're here on earth. Does anybody believe that God wants you to experience some heaven while you're here on earth? Now, understand that whenever most people read the book of Job, they see it as just a book of pain and suffering. But whenever you read, this is the only place in the New Testament that Job is specifically mentioned. And what it actually says about Job, it talks about his perseverance and then the end that was intended by the Lord. Nothing is actually said about his suffering. Nothing is actually said about his pain. It is all about the fact that he persevered in the midst of it and God had an intended end at the end of the day. My friend, I don't care what you might be going through right now. God already has an intended end to bless you and to bring provision and to bring breakthrough and to bring your family back together. Hear the word of the Lord for some of you that are struggling with family situations. Your situation is not over. And God, he is the alpha and the omega. He declared it in the beginning and you will see it come forth in the end. Look at somebody and say, you're going to see the fulfillment of the promise. So most people only interpret the account of Job as a story of suffering, tests, and trials. But Job, hear this, it is a story of restoration. Job is a story of the shalom of God. Job is a story of how God will take an impossible situation and turn it around for you. Job is a story about how that God is merciful and compassionate and he is a good God and he desires to give good things to those who will ask. Job is a story about how that God desires for you to be the head and not the tail above and not beneath. Job is a story about how if you will not give up, you will be rewarded in the end. That's what Job is all about. It's not so much about the pain. It's not so much about the suffering. It's not so much about the stupidity of his friends. It's not so much about the criticalness of his friends. By the way, every person here probably at one time or another has had to deal with the critical spirit from somebody. Has anybody ever, ever had to deal with that? Somebody criticizing, somebody being angry and upset. You know what? You can do what is right and some people will still get mad at you. You know what? You can't take your marching orders from what other people are saying. You got to do what God is saying, what God is declaring. Keep your eyes on Jesus and keep your eyes on the prize and keep on going whenever naysayers will gather around and begin to criticize you. See, Job, he had all of that happen in his life. But you know what? Job maintained his integrity. Job did not waver. Job kept declaring the word of the Lord. And how many of you know that God restored him in the end? As a matter of fact, we just read it. It says that God gave him double what he had before. Can you look at somebody and say double for your trouble? Come on, say double for your trouble. 
You know what? Some of you may have been standing for a long time as I look down here at Pastor Andy and Cindy, and I will tell you there's been prophecies after prophecy after prophecy. Y'all don't have to clap yet. Wait just a moment for that. Wait for the punchline here. But anyway, prophecy after prophecy about how God was going to give him a job. We prayed for him. We had agreed with him, and he's been working up in Fort Rucker, driving back and forth, being separated from his wife for four nights a week. My friend, he's been through some suffering. If there's any man here that doesn't think that that would be suffering, then you need to come up for some prayer. But anyway, I don't want to be separated from my wife for four nights of the week, right? I don't, right? Come on, she's a brick house, right? She, well, praise the Lord, let's move on. But, but yes, I'm talking about Andy. Now, he has to decide what his wife is. I'm not going to comment on that, Okay. She's a very, she's an attractive lady, though she's a pretty lady, and she loves God. Hallelujah. Got a sweet spirit about her, right, Andy? That's what you told me, right, to say about her? Okay, all right. <laughs> this is the deal. We've been believing God for the longest time. He's been driving back and forth to Fort Rucker, and I mean, he didn't want to do that, and he's been believing. He's been, he's put his, uh, um, his resume in and application in for every single job that was even available there, you know, taking out the trash. Look, I'll put my, just so I can sleep beside my wife, I will put in the job to take out the trash. And they wouldn't even hire him for that, okay? But understand this, you know what? There comes a time whenever you persevere and you keep on keeping on and you don't give up and you just keep on. You say, Lord, I've got a promise and I know that you're going to restore everything that was been stolen and praise the Lord to, to, as of today. He is on the payroll of Tyndall Air Force Base here in Panama City, Florida. Hallelujah. Woo! Listen, you got to keep on believing. Well, there was plenty of time for him to throw in the towel. But you know what? He had a promise. He had a promise. I said he had a promise. Can I tell you, you've got a promise. Don't you give up on your promise. Don't you give up on what God told you. Amen? So the story of Job is a story about God bringing forth a shalam. It's about God bringing forth more than what you had before. It's about how that God on the end, of the, uh, on, the, on the backside of pain and destruction and devastation, I was just, there's a video that came up in my feed yesterday and it was Pastor Stacy. she was doing a video and I watched it and tears were coming to my eyes the whole time. I don't know if anybody else saw it, but you know, just, and that, that was actually done 11 days after Hurricane Michael hit. It was actually on a Sunday morning. We didn't have any power. We opened up the doors and said, bless God, we're still gonna have church, hallelujah. We're not gonna let Hurricane Michael keep us from worshiping God. We, got, we didn't have any life. We had some rigged up lights in here that we were running off of a generator, but we couldn't run everything that we have and didn't even have everything we have right now. But anyway, we came in and we worshiped God and we praised the Lord. The next Sunday we had power, praise God. And I don't know if anybody remembers that particular service. It was the first service that we came back two and a half weeks after the hurricane. We had power, praise the Lord. We 
We turned the power on. We turned the sound way up. Hallelujah. And the, there was a prophetic song that began to just well up within my spirit and my heart. And I think, uh, Whit, were you on the keyboard? I think you were, were you, I don't know who was on the keyboard, but I remember us beginning to sing more than you had before, more than you had before. Does anybody remember this? More than you had before. And the next thing you know, we're dancing. The next thing you know, we got a Jericho march going all the way around the church. We got people up here, we're more than you. But you know what? And see, what we had to do in the midst of devastation is say, Lord, we know you're intended in. We know what you have already planned for us. We may be walking through the valley of the shadow of death, but listen, I'm walking through. I'm not camping there. I'm not stopping there. I'm not going to put my Winnebago there and set up camp there. I'm going through it, and I'm coming to the other side, and I'm going to see restoration. See, you've got to be determined because, listen, everybody, heard Bishop Hammond say this so many times. He said, God's always ordained for anybody who's going to do something real great in the kingdom of God, at least one mind-blowing, earth-shaking situation that you have to walk through. Has anybody been through any mind-blowing, earth-shaking? Listen, if you live here, we've been through it, right? But how many of you know that what God had intended, listen, it didn't take God by surprise. It wasn't like the, you know, it wasn't like Jesus was going, I can't believe this just happened. What am I going to do now? Nothing takes him by surprise. He didn't send the storm, but it didn't take him by surprise. And understand this, God already had an intended end to bring restoration. And by the way, on the other side of COVID, God already had planned on giving and bringing forth an invitation. Can I tell you, as I stand here today, I can say that we had more than we had before, even before the hurricane, even before COVID, even before every other crazy thing that's happened in the last five years. My my God is a restorer. He is not a destroyer. Hallelujah. Amen. Now you got to understand God desires to restore things in your life. Can you look at somebody and say, God wants to restore, but you've got to cooperate with him. Nothing happens just because God desires to do it. You got to get a hold of this. Nothing happens just because God sovereignly does it in your life. You have to cooperate with him. You can't get saved without believing, right? You have to believe and confess. You can't be filled with the Holy Spirit until you say, Holy Spirit, come and fill me. He doesn't necessarily knock you in the floor, although I've seen some things happen that, you know, that were very, very uh, amazing. We had one young lady one time, she didn't really believe in the infilling of the Holy Spirit evidence by speaking in other tongues, and, and she was coming with her boyfriend, and she just made a decision. I made an invitation that for anybody who wanted to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to come up to the front. And what she ended up doing, she just for almost out of spite, kind of, you know, uh, Reed Harris is Ashley, Reed Harris' is wife now, yeah, came up, pray, anyway, she came up to the front, and then as she was coming up to the front, I just went over there to lay my hands on her and never even touched her, and the power of God hit her so bad back, and Paul McGoey was there and get testified, power of God hit her so hard that it, she literally fell back and started speaking in tongues immediately, just like that. Amazing, right? But hear this, she at least had to get out of her seat and come to the front. She had to cooperate. Can you look at somebody and say, you got to cooperate? So in order to cooperate, here, these, these are some things from, that we see in Job, and I have to move real quickly. But number one is you got to refuse to blame God and refuse to blame others. Job didn't blame God for the situation that he was in. I mean, how many times do we have people that are wanting to point their finger at God and point their finger at other people? 
You know what? You're in a bad situation. So the easy thing to do is point your finger at somebody else. Hear this. If you want to see God restore uh, uh, things within your life, you got to stop pointing your fingers at other people, right? This is, this is an age-old problem. It started with Adam. Adam and Eve sinned together. And so God shows up and says, Adam, what's going on? You know what Adam does? He blames the only two people, only two intelligent beings that he knows. He said, Lord, the woman that you gave me. Think about that. The only two people he knows, he starts blaming the woman. And by the way, men still do that today. Well, praise the Lord. Something doesn't go right. Oh, honey, I didn't want to go there. Why did you want to go there? Right? Listen, we got to stop blaming one another. Can I say that again? You got to stop blaming one another. Stop pointing the finger at one another. How about just go look in the mirror and say, Lord, what do I need to do to get out of the situation? Right? You refuse to blame God, refuse to blame others. Job 1.22 says, in all this, Job did not sin nor charge God with wrong. He didn't make a false accusation against the Lord. Hear this, God cannot be the restorer while being called the destroyer. There's a lot of people pointing their fingers at God on the other side of Hurricane Michael and say, God just sent a storm. It just must, must have been God's will. Da, 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 da. Listen, don't put God in the equation of hurricanes. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? By the way, I got a really good book out there called Not My Father. You ought to read it. It'll give you some understanding because so many people don't live with the understanding that we serve a good God. As a matter of fact, that is the basis, that is the foundation of all theological understanding that our God is a good God. Amen? Look at somebody and say, He's good. God doesn't send disaster. God doesn't send calamity. Even whenever we read the book of Job, we see that God did not send things upon Job. It was actually Satan who did it. If you accuse others, your eyes are on them rather than the one who has the power to restore. How about getting our eyes on the one who has the power to restore? Can everybody say amen? Here's the second thing. You've got to praise God regardless of what's going on. Job 1.20 says, Job fell to the ground and worshiped. And he said, blessed, blessed be the name of the Lord. See, it's easy to praise him when everything is great and everything is hunky-dory. But here's the question. What are we going to do when everything's not so great? What are we going to do whenever our roofs have been caved in? What are we going to do whenever there's blue tarps on everything? What are we going to do whenever there's noise of, of COVID and everything else going around? What are we going to do when there's dissension and division and disagreement? i tell you what we're going to do, we're going to come to the house of the Lord and we're going to get our praise on and we're going to declare more than he, more than you had before. Amen. So you got to choose to worship. It's, you know, it's one thing, as, as we said before, talk is cheap. Anybody can talk about worshiping. Anybody can talk about the word, but what are you going to do whenever your back is up against the wall? The real test of a man's character is what do you do whenever your back's up against the wall? What do you do whenever things aren't going great? That really tells what you're really made of. Can I tell you? You know what Andy did the entire time? He kept driving back and kept saying, Lord, I thank you for my job. I thank you for my job. Kept driving back, saying, you know what? I'm still going to get here and I'm going to praise the Lord. On Sunday mornings, he'd be here. He'd be dancing and rejoicing, even though four nights of the week he's away from his wife. But that would be a reason to sing gloom, despair, and agony on me. But he did didn't do that. He kept worshiping God. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? See, you got to make a decision and then do it, right? 
And, and you know, it's amazing how many people want to, want to come and have a worship experience so they can feel sorry for themselves and weep about their present situation. I want everybody to hear this. That is not the purpose of worship and praise. The purpose of worship and praise is to extol the name of the Lord. And in the midst of your trial and in the midst of your fire, you say, to God be the glory. It's to lift up your voice and say, God, I thank you. You are Jehovah Rapha. You are Jehovah Jireh. You are El Shaddai. You are the one who is more than enough. Regardless of what I see right now, I'm not going to have a pity party in the name of worshiping the Lord. I am going to lift my voice and dance in spite of it. Hallelujah. See, it's easy to dance when everything's going great. Woo, right? You know, Andy came and told us about his job. You know what? I, we rejoiced right out there. I went, <laughs> all right. So, I mean, I'm ready to go. It's easy to do that whenever you see breakthrough. But what are you going to do whenever you're in the midst of a situation? That's whenever, listen, that's whenever you need to dance the most. I said, that's when you need to dance the most. That's when you need to celebrate the most. That's when you need to lift your hands the most. That's whenever you need to make a decision, yet I will praise him. Yet, though it doesn't matter what's going on, yet I will praise him, amen? Y'all excuse me while I preach a little bit today. You gotta choose to worship in the middle of devastation. You gotta choose to worship in the middle of craziness going around you. You gotta choose to worship even whenever family things are not coming together in the way that you have believed God. Hear this, if you keep worshiping and you keep praising God, you will see breakthrough, hallelujah. Here's the next thing, you gotta ignore the voices of stupidity. <laughs> you just gotta ignore them. You just gotta keep on going. Talk to the hand. Should I say it? Talk to the booty because the hand's off duty and I'm going to keep on going. Right? Right? I'm sorry. Bye. See you later. I see you in my rearview mirror. I'm going to keep on driving down the road. Hallelujah. Yeah, what was that gesture you made? Well, praise the Lord. One way to Jesus. Hallelujah. See, <laughs> Job's wife, Job's wife said, curse God and die. That's what Job's wife said. Curse God. Ah, full of bitterness, full of anger. Curse God and die. Listen, men, although I believe that you should always give a place to the voice of your wife and need to consider everything, there are times whenever you just need to say, I'm not going to listen to you today. You may have to do what Jesus said and get behind me, Satan. Boy, that surely got a really big applause right there. And by the way, ladies, if, you're, if your husband tells you to curse God and die, don't you keep going to that crazy church down the street where they're dancing, they rejoice and everything. You know what? You say, thank you. God bless you. I'm going to keep on doing what God told me to do. Amen? Would you like to come with me today? See, the voice of foolishness and ignorance always abounds in times of crisis. You know why? Because people react emotionally. Something happens, they react emotionally. And so crazy voices and crazy things that people say in times of crisis are always there. When others speak in their ignorance, you've got to refuse to listen and you've got to refuse to react. You keep blessing them. Y'all, please hear I'm saying this. By the way, don't call your wife Satan. I want to make sure everybody understands that. 
Okay, don't call your spouse Satan. I'm not endorsing that you do that. Listen, I want you to stay married. I don't want you to have to be coming into my office to get some counseling, all right? But this is what it says. Listen, Proverbs 26, verse four. Don't answer a fool in his folly, lest you also be like him. When somebody is speaking foolish things, you just gotta keep on going, amen? Before Jesus raised a little girl from the dead, he said this, she's not dead, she's only sleeping. They all laughed at him. They laughed at him and scorned at him. And this is what it says. Jesus put them all outside. Dismiss them. You are the weakest link. Bye-bye. Right? If you're going to speak doubt and unbelief, I love you, but I don't want to listen to you. Okay, I, if you're gonna speak doubt and unbelief and you're gonna speak words of negativity, I'll still love you, but you know what? You're not gonna be my close friend. You know what? I gotta have people that I surround myself that's speaking faith, that's speaking the word of the Lord, that's speaking what God is saying. Not the, not the latest thing they heard on the news. Here's the next principle, love the unlovely. I'm closing. Job prayed for his friends. See, and the Bible says this, and Job restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. You know what? You're going to have to love some people, and you're going to have to forgive some people. Because people will do things, they'll say things, and you just got to make a decision. I'm going to keep on loving, I'm going to forgive them, and I'm going to move forward. Amen? Job could have gotten bitter like his wife, but he didn't. You can get bitter or you can get better, one or the other. And the very last thing is this. Job did not stop. Job did not quit. Job was like the Energizer Bunny. You've seen the commercials. Still going, still going. All throughout the situation, all throughout the circumstance, Job did not quit. Hear this. You will receive the promise and you will see restoration in your life as long as you don't quit. You got to keep on believing when others have decided to go a different direction. You got to keep on confessing the word and the promise of God when other people have thrown it out the door. You got to keep on delivering people and setting them free, free, even when others might say deliverance isn't for us today. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You know what? We have to keep on prophesying even when others says that the gift has actually passed away. My friend, I want you to hear this today. God will bring forth restoration in your life as long as you don't quit, as long as you keep on going, as long as you keep on believing, as long as you say, Lord, I declare, let God be true and every man a liar. Lord, I choose to believe you today and what you said and what you declared and what you promised will surely come to pass in the name of Jesus. Would you stand to your feet? today. Hallelujah. How many of you received something from this today? Did you receive something from this? Oh, hallelujah. Come on, just lift your hands right now to the Lord. And I want you to make this declaration. I want you to make this declaration. Say this, today I declare my God is a restorer. Jesus, you are my restorer. I thank you, Lord, that you are restoring everything, everything, everything and it will be better than what it was before. I will have more than what I had before. I thank you, Lord, that you are the God of restoration. I receive you as that within my life today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Can you give the Lord a shout right now? Hallelujah. 
Thanks again for downloading this podcast. We trust that this message has blessed, encouraged, and edified you. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss a message here from High Praise. Also, you can follow us on social media, on Facebook, and on Instagram. And don't forget to go subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll be back soon with another incredible message. God bless you and have a great week.